0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Talking about significant, there's a significant message coming your way in a few moments' time. So it's so good to be with you tonight, and uh, thank you so much for uh, coming through to hear what God has to say to you and allow Him to minister to your hearts. And uh, uh, just cause, or, or just cause you to be excited about God. I think that's his number one desire for us, just to be excited about Him and what He has done for us and the kind of relationship that He is looking for in us, and how we can have. God Encounters, and I thank Apostle Theo and and Pastor Ben for this opportunity, and I don't take it lightly, and I enjoy sharing the Word of God with you, and I believe that we are going to grow together tonight and uh, allow God to do a great thing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for this wonderful opportunity that we have to come together as your children, Father, as we learn about having encounters with you, Father. It should be such a natural thing because you are, after all, our Father and we are your children. And so, Lord, thank you that as we hear your word, that it goes forth, it's planted deep in the hearts of every single person, Father, and that it will produce a harvest for years to come, that even 10 years from now, we'll be reminded about how we can get your attention when we may be facing a difficult time. And so I thank you for that, Father. Thank you that folks all over here are gonna have a great encounter with you, Father, even if it is tomorrow or the next day or whenever, Father, but it's going to change our lives, and I thank you, Spirit of God, for empowering this word in Jesus' name, amen. So we have been uh, doing a series called God Encounters, and Pastor Jen started it off by talking about Murrah Murrah, do you remember that? It's important that we have God Encounters as Christians, as children of God, God wants to encounter you. And you know, the deep down inside, we have a desire to encounter God. The fact that you're here tonight just talks about that desire that you have for God, for your relationship to grow with Him. And so what we saw with Mirror Mirror is that there's a lot of our own insecurities that prevent us from having those God encounters, but we were, uh, the light was shed on that. And we saw that God uh, overlooks that. He overrides that. He causes us to be reminded of who we are and that our, uh, you know, the things that we have, the bad views that we have of ourselves, that he comes along and changes that through his word, mirror, mirror. And then Pastor Greg last week spoke to us about one of the most unusual ways in which we encounter God. And that's in the times when we have, when we go through very painful situations we want to run away. When you encounter a, a, a painful situation, our natural uh, uh, you know, reaction is to run away from that. But what we see is that it says in the Bible that God is actually close to the brokenhearted. That's when he comes near you in a way that you maybe didn't expect, or, or perhaps you know, your, your uh, emotions are really taking over And it's quite difficult to think that God is around. In fact, sometimes we think that he's so far away from us because we're going through the pain. But the point is that in that pain is where we get to gain. That was the the title, wasn't it? No pain, no gain. So we shouldn't shun away from those painful times because God, as it said, is close to the brokenhearted. You may not experience his presence, but he really is. His word says he is close, so you must know that he is close. And so tonight, to continue on talking about God encounters, what I'm going to be sharing with you is the one thing that gets God's attention the most. Out of all the ways that we can get God's attention, what we're going to be hearing and speaking or discussing in the next few minutes, this is the way that we get God's attention the most. Isn't that exciting to know that there's a way that you can definitely get God's attention? You don't have to go through a painful situation in order for that to happen. It's a wonderful, powerful truth. And so in 1 John chapter 4, verses 23, it says, yet a time is coming, yet a time is coming and has now come when, and God actually talks about a type of worshiper that he's looking for, when the true worshippers So there is a certain type of worshiper that attracts God's attention. Isn't that good? And I've lost my place. That attracts your attention. So what does that mean? It means that we can also be a false worshiper. What's a false worshiper? That's someone who thinks that they're actually going towards God, but they're not because they're not doing it the way that God desires. So it says that these true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit. That's a very interesting word over there. The word spirit is the word pneuma. If we translate it, or will go back to the original Greek. The word pneuma means breath. It says that we should worship him in spirit. Pneuma, you know the word uh, pneumonia comes from that, where it talks about a breathing problem, but it's about our breath. And so God wants us to worship him in spirit. He wants us to use our breath. The very thing that keeps us going, he wants us to use that. He's looking for people who will worship in breath. When you sing, do you know how you're doing that? It's through your breath, right? He wants us to worship through that with energy and with passion. That's what God is looking for. And it says, and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father, listen, they're the kind of worshipers that the Father is looking for. It says that the the Father seeks. Did you know that if you're trying to find God, that God is trying to find you? Think about that. You, when you're trying to find God, He's trying to find you. In, in, uh, in the book of Chronicles, we read that it says that, that the eyes of God are moving across the earth to and fro, looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. It's like God is attracted to certain things when it comes to those who are ch- uh, people of faith or, or Christians. And God is looking for those who have their hearts and their souls and their passion and their breath and their energy in seeking after him, in worshiping God. Those are the true worshipers, and the Bible says that God is searching, he's looking for those. So here is my message summed into one sentence. If you can't find God, worship him, he'll find you. If you can't find God, worship him, He'll find you. He'll show up in your life like never before, especially when you worship God the way that He wants us to worship Him. Hebrews 11 verse 6 puts it this way. It says, anyone who comes to Him. Now, we need to just stop it right there. If you're going to show up and try to come to God, you need to believe that He exists. Anyone that comes to him, this is not just a religion that we're talking about. We're not just telling stories over here. We have a God who is alive. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder or that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you seeing God's heart in this? Are you seeing what He desires? He's looking for us not just to seek Him, but for those who earnestly seek Him. And He says, there is a reward for you. And I believe that that reward is the encounter. That reward is God revealing Himself to you who earnestly seek Him. So here's my goal tonight. What I'm trying to accomplish here by the power of the Spirit of God is for you to run hard after God. That's what God, in fact, is trying to accomplish here tonight, is for you to get to run hard after God. Sometimes what happens is people try God. They say, you know what, I'll give this a go. Let's just see what it's about. I'm I'm not going to put my everything into this. I'm just going to check it out a little bit. This is the thing. You're not going to find God if you try God. God wants you to jump in and earnestly seek Him in worship. That's what he's looking for. In fact, that word worship, if we go back to the original Greek, which you know the New Testament was written in that language, the thing about the Greek is that it has four times more words than the English language. Why is that important? Because it becomes difficult to find the same words in English that were really being expressed when the word was being written. So this word uh, worship is the word proskuneo. And what it means is to kiss. The literal translation of the word is to kiss. But it's not the type of kiss that lovers give each other. No, that's not the kind of kiss. In fact, if you want to look at the best description to describe this kind of kiss, it's like when a dog licks the master's hand. It's quite different, hey? When a, log, uh, log, listen. When a dog licks the master's hand. How many dog lovers do we have here Tonight, Do we have some dog lovers here tonight? I'm sort of putting an elbow up, not a full hand. I'm not the craziest fan about dogs, but I love the illustration. I love the description. Because we have dogs, and I don't know if you've seen, when you come home after being away for a little while, have you seen the way that your dog reacts? You see how they yelp and they cry? We have one that's got a, it it doesn't have a tail, it's got a stump. It's a little uh, uh, Jack Russell. And so when it wags its tail, it actually, the whole back of its body moves. So excited this dog is when when we come home after a bit. And then she cries and she howls and she makes all sorts of crazy sounds. And then what she does when we get out the car, she just can't wait to jump up against us. And she's, she's quite a old ducker, you know, she's a bit heavy. But she likes to jump up against us, and she loves to lick your hand. And that's what she does. She's so excited, like, we're home, we're home. I haven't seen you in such a long time. I've missed you. You're home, you're home. And that's what they do. I don't know if you've seen Pastor Mike. When he worships God, it's like that uh, Jack Russell jumping up and licking the hand of God when he jumps up and down like that, saying, Lord, I love you, you hear, you hear, you hear, and just taking everything in. And that's what God's looking for. It's that type of reaction. Isn't that interesting? So, show us. That's what the Jack Russell does. Anyhow, but this is talking about licking your hand. Anyhow. but some people when they come they would stand in the church and and just like decide whether or not they're going to be saying anything and they'll look around and it's more like you know what I'm not coming to you you can come to me you come to me where is God when they worship they're not putting everything into it in fact they might just say a few things just to try and keep along You know what? Can you imagine having a dog like that? You wouldn't want a dog like that. In fact, that's called a cat. And then, that definitely is not what the kiss is talking about. So we don't want to be like cats. We want to be like dogs, excited to see God and to be in His presence. And if we understand a version of Christianity that attracts the heart of God because our passion is in it, and our soul is in it, and our breath is in it, We don't just have a toe in in the water of religion. No, we've jumped right in. If you understand that, you'll experience God in a glorious way. You know, serving God is powerful. How many of you would agree with that? Serving God is powerful. It's not just about coming here and singing a few hymns. No, it's an opportunity for us to come and seek God the way that He desires for us to seek Him. And we'll experience Him and have those God encounters that He desires us to. To have. So let me give you three stories in the Bible because almost every one of the stories where people have encounters with God, it happens because they have also done something to initiate that. So let's have a look at three stories to see how this works. The first one is King is the king of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is discouraged, I suppose, because he's got the word fat in his name. I don't know, but he's discouraged. You should never have the word fat in your name, except if it starts with fat, like Fatima. But other than that, you should definitely not have fat at the end of your name. Anyhow, he was discouraged, and he was surrounded by a mighty army. He was afraid, and he was intimidated. And so we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 14, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on not King Jehoshaphat, It came on Jehaziel. He was the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, and the son of Mataniah. And here's the interesting thing. He was a Levite. What does that mean? It means that he was a worshiper. He was someone that worshipped God. And not only was he a Levite, but he was a direct descendant of another man named Asaph. And Asaph was the chief musician for King David. I think there's something in this. And so the Spirit of God came upon him. And as he stood in the assembly, in the, in, the, you know, in the presence of the king, he challenged the king. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because, this, because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's, it's God's. Now think about that for a moment. How is it that this man has this kind of confidence? I mean, he's looking at the same army that the king is looking at. It's not a different army that he's, that he's also having to face. But the thing is, he knows he's God. He says, it's not God's battle. Uh, it's not your battle, it's God's. He was a worshiper. Just interestingly, our worship leader, Gideon, if you didn't know, our worship leader in the mornings here is Gideon. I was in a conversation with him recently, he also does Muay Thai fighting. I bet some of you didn't know that. And uh, anyhow, he was saying something so interesting very recently. uh, He said that, you know, the number one rule when you get into the ring with this Muay Thai fighting, the number one rule is you have to always keep your hands up. When he said that, I was actually preparing for the message I thought, wow, that's so profound that our worship leader would say that the number one rule that you need to remember when you come into the ring, when we get into life, when we come into the ring of life, is to keep your hands up. And that's what God expects of us, to keep our hands up. I'm not saying you're going to walk around with your hands up in the air all the time, but you understand what that means, right? It's that worship should be our primary thing. That should be the number one rule when we're in the ring of life. And so it goes on in 2 Chronicles, and now verse 20, it says, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, so he's had a change of heart here. He says, listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Think about that. These guys are about to go into battle. When I read the scripture, I thought about the Braveheart movie. How many of you saw the Braveheart movie? And in that movie, the Scots are battling against, the whole movie is about William Wallace who leads the Scottish into battling for their freedom against the the English who were oppressing them. And in the first great battle scene, you see that the Scots have come and they're ready to stand for their freedom and to fight for their freedom, and they're standing on one hill. And on the opposite hill, the, the English army start Appearing into view over the hill, and they start coming over the hill, and they're coming over the hill, and they just keep coming. And they got the best armor and the best weapons, and they're very intimidating. And I remember one guy in the front row of the Scottish uh, army, he looks at them and with like in an awe, and he just says, So many. And just those two words, it means, What are we gonna do? This is too big for us. And they wanna turn around and leave. And William Wallace is there in the front on his horse and he's encouraging the people. He's saying, come on, we're going to fight for our freedom. And he's got all his war paints on and he looks very warrior-ish. And he's encouraging these guys and he, and he gets them all riled up and they're ready. Yeah, we're going to fight for our freedom. And now, I mean, you've seen the clashes, right? How, how brutal that is. So can you imagine at that point, William Wallace wins their, uh, you know, he wins their uh, encouragement and, and they're ready to go into battle. He says, right, men. Let's get the worshippers up in front here. Bring those bagpipes. Where are you? Come on, you're leading us into this battle. Can you imagine what the Scots must have thought? Just imagine for a moment. I mean, you've seen the film. The way they rush into each other, this net blood and guts. It's hectic. So can you imagine that going up with the British? I, I don't know what they must have. They would have been thinking if that happens. But here yeah, the guys are with their bagpipes leading them into this brutal battle. And look what happens in this instance. We go on in verse uh, 20. Uh, We carry on, sorry. It says, As they began to sing and praise the Lord, or praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So imagine that British army standing there, all the, the English, in all their pomp, and here are the worshipers with their bagpipes, and the next thing they turn on each other and just start slaughtering each other. And they won their freedom without even lifting a sword. God takes care of it. The battle is God's, and the victory is ours. Praise God. The same will be true in your life. if, if you will discover this one truth: worship is powerful. It gets the attention. Of God the second story talking about David and Ziglag their town the him and his men went out they had to go and fight a battle and while they were fighting this battle uh, and the Amorites uh, was it the Amorites no I'm uh, wrong here it's the Amalekites and the Amalekites came around and they raided their town of Ziglag and burnt it to the ground and and kidnapped the woman and children And so when they returned, they came upon the site where the town was demolished and, and, uh, you know, all the women and children were taken away. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? Well, I'll tell you what it felt like. It says at the end of of, uh, chapter 30, verse 4, it says, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been at a place where you weep until you can weep no more? And then it gets really bad for David because he carries on and says he's now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and their wives and their daughters. And they began to talk about stoning David. So he was in serious trouble. Not only was he downtrodden, but now he was fearing for his life. And then look what it says. It says, when David, uh, it says here, Then David said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. He found strength in worship. The ephod in the Old Testament represents worship. It was like a worship robe that you put on when you were going to go and worship God. And the Bible says that he found strength in worshiping God. In that instance, we know that there was a great victory afterwards. The third story, Pastor Jenny spoke a little bit about earlier tonight with Paul and Silas when they were in prison. They cast the demon out of a fortune teller And uh, her pump, for lack of a better term, who was sort of hiring, you know, she was earning money through this fortune telling, she couldn't tell fortunes anymore because she'd been delivered. And so a mob rose up against Paul and Silas, and they were beaten badly, and they were thrown into the inner dungeon. And the Bible says that they began to sing hymns. In Acts chapter 16, it says, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I would not be singing hymns. I'll be straight up with you. But they were singing hymns to God. The other prisoners heard this. And then this suddenly happened because of their worship. Suddenly there was a mighty earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation and all the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. Here's what you need to get. Their worship was so powerful that everybody around them experienced deliverance because of it. That's the power of worship. God loves it when we worship Him. In fact, if you're going to give a title to my message tonight, it would be hide and seek. Hide and seek. My youngest daughter loves to play hide and seek. I enjoy playing it with her as well for a while. There's a lot of running in that game, You're. Anyhow, you know what the beauty about hide and seek is not so much about, uh, uh, you know, you don't hide to never be found. The idea is to hide because you're anticipating the find. And so they'll keep seeking and seeking until they find because what happens with the find is there's that big reveal and it's so intense. It's exciting. There's a joy in the, in the, in the seeking, but there's even in a more extreme joy in the finding. You know, God loves to play hide-and-seek with us. He's not trying to be hard to find. He's wanting you to have the joy of seeking and then the joy of discovering. But you won't find Him if you're standing around like a cat. You've got to be out there looking for Him. We've got to go around, and we've got to start giving God some praise. We've got to give Him of our lives and of our passion and of our energy. And we need to put a bit of effort into singing and worship, uh, effort into uh, seeking Him. You know what's going to happen when that goes on? Surprise! We're going to be seeking God, and then when we find him, he reveals himself, and we have a great encounter with God, and we're like, wow, that was amazing. Let's do it again. Because that's what happens with hide-and-seek with my daughter. It's never just once, okay? you got to hide-and-seek a few times. But thank God he doesn't get tired of being found and jumping out and saying, surprise! It's in the Bible, folks. God loves this. It's in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The message translation puts it this way. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. God's saying if you want it more than anything else, you will find me. You will have that encounter. It will be amazing. And you'll want to do it again and again. If we can just put our everything into worshiping God. God wants you to go all in. You can try the halfway thing and you'll not like it. It's boring. And God's not even attracted to it. God's attracted when we throw everything into it. So what is worship? What does it look like? Well, let me end by giving you the teaching straight from the very one that we worship, from Jesus. One of the religious leaders had heard Jesus was giving really good answers to questions. They thought, I'm going to come and give a good question. In Mark 12, it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? That's why I told you that tonight what I'm going to be sharing with you is the most important. He said to Jesus, which is the most important? If you want to summarize the whole Bible and the Christian experience into one truth, here it is. The most important one, Jesus' answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. This is the most important What he's saying. Love the Lord your God. How do we love God? With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That's how we love God. That's how we worship him. With all of our heart and soul. With all of my heart and soul, God is saying, if you're going to come to me, I need a little heart and I need a little soul. God's just like anything else that we're trying to love. You know, if I tell my wife that I love her, but I do nothing to show it. If I say to her, babe, you know, I love you, but please don't hold my hand. And and, babe, stop licking my hand. No, I don't say that to her, but... And I say, you know what, we're sleeping in separate beds and, and, and you know, I'll take you to dinner maybe on our 50th anniversary and, and I do nothing to show her that I love her. She's not going to be convinced that I love her. You can't say that you love God and not give an expression to God. That's why we have this entire book. The largest one of this book is filled with expression and it ends by saying, let everything that has breath praise the, Lord. the truth is that the book of Psalms, which is what I'm speaking about, the book of Psalms looks like it was written more for our stadiums on Saturdays than what we're experiencing in church. Oh, if we could see a church that would be like the stadiums are on the weekend. The reason I'm saying it to you like that is because that's the kind of seeking that God desires. Just like we would give that praise to our favorite team in the same way God's like waiting to say, surprise, when we worship him with all that is in us. All of your mind. How do you worship God with all of your mind, it says. I worship God by focusing my attention on God. That's how you can worship him with all of your mind. Focus your attention on him. When I wake up in the mornings, really, for real, the first words that I speak is good morning, Father, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit. I worship you, I give you praise, I honor you, thank you for being such a good God. I glorify your name. That's what I do. That's just under my breath. I mean, I'm not doing it to announce it to the neighbors, but that's what I do. I do it by focusing my attention on God. We're doing a 21 days of prayer and fasting right now. We're not just doing that to create something else to do. If you stop eating on purpose and deprive your body of the things it enjoys, I promise you, you're going to be mindful of the reason why you're doing that. You're thinking about God, being mindful of Him. All of our strength. How do I worship God with all of my strength? I worship God by using my abilities for God. I'm worshiping God right now by preaching this. The cameraman is worshiping God by making this available on the screens. The person that you greeted at the door when you came in was worshiping God when they greeted you with a big smile and welcomed you to church tonight. So I encourage you to get onto growth track. That's why we have the growth track. It's not another course. In fact, it's not even a course. It's a journey. But we want you to discover what are the things that God has given me that I can worship Him with. How can I discover those and how can I use those to serve God? Worship Him with all your strength. Let me ask you three questions in closing here tonight. What do I love most? It's a question you need to ask yourself. What do I love most? What do I think about most? What do I do most? These three questions, heart and soul in the love. Our mind in the thinking about and our strength, what do I do most? The answer to these three questions is your God. Maybe just right there, you've had a moment where you've had to just be honest with yourself, "Wow, is that my God? The thing that I think about, I love most, think about most and do most. God doesn't mind us having other love, but he does mind us having other gods above him. So what if we say this year, this is the year that I'm going to seek after him with all of my heart. This is what will happen to you. You are going to have one encounter with God after another. In your dark days, in the days when you are bleeding, in the days when you have an army against you, you'll experience God and you'll never be the same. If you seek God, if you worship him, He'll find you. When you're seeking God, He's seeking you. He's looking for us to worship Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our abilities, all of our strength. How many of you are ready to take on that challenge? Give God your everything this year. Seek Him with all that you have. And expect Him to be found. Expect him to come jumping out with a great big surprise, and you having these amazing encounters with God. He's real. He's alive. He's in love with you, and he can't wait to be found by you, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for every single person that is here tonight. I thank you, Father God, that Lord, you even tell us in the book of Philippians that you'll give us the desire to do the things that you want us to do. And so I speak that over every person here this evening, Father. I pray that there is a desire that is imparted into them to seek you the way you desire to be sought, Father. Thank you that this year, as we dedicate ourselves to looking for you intently, That, Father, we will not be disappointed, but, Father, we will be met by encounter with you upon encounter with you, and that we will grow in our relationship with you. That is my prayer to every single person, for every single person here tonight. Thank you for God encounters in this year. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Could you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? There's an invitation I'd like to make here tonight for those that are here in the auditorium and perhaps in in one of the other venues and and those at home as well. Maybe you've never even had an opportunity to meet this God that we can seek and, and go after and have these encounters with. And so tonight, I want to invite you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, tonight is your night, folks. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life if you want to be sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven then I invite you to raise your hand at this altar call and perhaps you're here tonight and you were at one time you were close with God but you've drifted apart for whatever reason I want you to know God is standing your arms open wide to receive you back And so I invite you, too, to respond to this altar call at the count of three. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to be sure that you will spend eternity in heaven with God, if you want to come back into a relationship with Him, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for that hand. Praise God. Thank you for that hand at the back there. God sees your hand. Let me tell you something, folks. The Bible doesn't say you have to raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. You don't have to raise your hand, but this is you declaring that publicly to God right now. You've heard how much he desires for you to put your hands in the air and worship him, and I believe that's what you're doing right now. Thank you for those hands. If there's anybody else, you can also just raise your hand right now. Someone is coming along. One of our dream team is one of our leaders just to come and and stand by you and pray together with you. If there's anyone else, you can, you can respond right now. I'm just saying, don't leave you tonight not being sure of your salvation. That's not something you wanna mess around with. Anyone else? We're about to pray. Thank you for all of those hands tonight. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now, and I'm gonna ask everybody to follow in this prayer with me, especially those that raised their hand tonight. Think about what you're saying. It's a simple prayer, but just think about the words that you're saying right now. Let's all say this together. Say, dear heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. Tonight, I declare Jesus is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for me And that he was risen from the dead. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. I invite you into my heart. You are my God. And I am your child. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.